Welcome to Startup Cornell. It's a podcast exploring the bold entrepreneurial ideas coming from our students, faculty, staff, and young alumni. I'm Kathy Havis, your host, and today we're going to talk with Brooke Wingo from the class of 2017, who's a co-founder of Zone Swimwear. We know you're going to love hearing her story. To find out more about entrepreneurship at Cornell and see the show notes from this episode, visit eship.cornell.edu. So welcome, Brooke. Thank we you. are so glad you could be with us today all the way from San Francisco. Um, yeah. It's great to talk with you. To start out, can you just give us a little short elevator pitch about what you would say about your company if you met someone new? Mm-hmm. So what we do at Zone is we make fully custom designed swimsuits and apparel, team apparel um, for swim teams and for dive teams. Very quick and easy, short little elevator pitch. That's great. And tell me, like, what is the problem that you encountered that made you want to create this company that made you want to solve um, for people? Absolutely. It's kind of a funny problem. There just aren't really custom swimsuits. And so you get to go to, you know, a football game, for instance, and you see the Patriots playing the Chiefs and they get their special uniforms that have their colors and their mascot and even their names on their gear. And swimmers don't have that. So you would go to a swim meet and you'd have these two country clubs swimming against each other. And one might be, you know, the rapids and the other is the waves. So very similar mascots already. And they might even have the same swimsuits, like truly the same exact off the shelf suit. We just think people can have a lot more fun. And there's some new technology that we're using to make these suits. You didn't used to be able to do it very well. That's the long and the short of it. There was just a really interesting gap in this market. What are some of the most fun companies or teams or designs that you've had to work with? And do you guys do the designs or do like swim teams come to you and say, we already have this wildcat or whatever, and we want it on a swimsuit? Well, that's so funny because I actually thought that teams might want to design their own suits. You know, I thought it might be fun for a team to have a competition like among the kids to the winner gets to design the swimsuit, but that has not happened once. So I'm still waiting for that to happen. But yeah, we do all of the designs in-house. We consider that our service. I like to kind of call us a, a DAS company sometimes. I'm sure you're familiar with SaaS companies or it's software as a service. I call us DAS for design as a service, and there's no charge for that. So we have our team make the suit, and then based on the feedback, we'll make all the apparel to match it. So the team gets their entire kit. And then going back to your first question about what some of the most fun teams have been to work with, a couple come to mind. We've gotten to work with a few Special Olympics teams, which is always just, I think, really fun. And I love getting their pictures and seeing the kids. Creatively, we got to work with this team, Hatfield and McCoys. And it's a dinner show. It's a dinner diving show performance. So they had a really fun suit to design. It looks nothing like anything else we've done. It has a bullet hole in it. It's, it's very dramatic and funny. So I really liked working with them. That's very cool. When you think about your business every day, why do you think you wanted to be an entrepreneur rather than working for someone else, at least in this stage in your career? Why is this something that really is, seems like the right thing to you? Yeah, that's a really good question. And for a time, that was a really hard question. I've always been very creative and entrepreneurial and loved problem solving like that. Even when I was in college, I was tinkering around with things, most of which, you know, never amounted to anything at all. In fact, none of it did. It just seemed to be my personality. But 
the real reason to do this was just that I thought it was an undeniable opportunity and just something that if we didn't do it, someone else would do it really well. And so I think otherwise I would have gone and worked for the man. I, I definitely don't have anything against him or her. But I think this opportunity was just really good at a really good time for me. So to give a little bit more color to that story, it was not an easy decision. I actually moved back home to Virginia for a year and a half, close to two years after graduation, which was not what my peers were doing. So I had a little bit of maybe FOMO at times, but it did feel like a really big decision to take that step instead of go a different path. Like I saw a lot of my friends doing at graduation. Um, so at graduation, I was so stressed. I even got a little bit of shingles from stress and it was a, it was a hard decision. But I think the thing to remember if other people are thinking about that kind of fork is that it wasn't a decision to do this forever. It was just a decision to do it day by day. And when I got more kind of micro with that decision, it made a lot more sense because I thought to myself, okay, I can do this for a few months. And if it doesn't work, I have this Cornell degree to fall back on. I'm The fork in the road doesn't go forever. The fork in the road is just a step. And so now I am here several years later, and I've taken a lot of steps on that fork, on that one direction in the fork, but I think it was a hard decision to make. But then when I made that decision in a more micro, like through a more micro lens, it became easier. Right. That's great advice. Because I think this, this is a time of year when students especially are starting to think about graduation and what they're doing next. And a lot of them are not really sure what they should be doing, but there's so much pressure to follow a certain kind of career path or do something. Yeah. So are there any experiences at Cornell that you think helped make you interested in being an entrepreneur or um, thinking that you could have your own company or had the skills to do that? Yeah, there were probably several experiences kind of accumulated, but I'll actually say that the one decision that I made at Cornell that I think set me up the best to be an entrepreneur was actually the first decision that I made. And it was the decision to transfer there. I was actually a transfer student um, when I was an undergrad. And I think having the philosophy that you can change something if it's not going right, and you can start up world, we say pivot, but in the college equivalent would be to transfer. Knowing that you can do that and then doing it, I think is a mindset that entrepreneurs have. They're not afraid to change their course and to pivot and to transfer. So I think that kind of set me up for having a freedom for transferring in life is what I say sometimes. It's kind of a fearlessness that comes from transferring. And then also owning that story a little bit because one person, one of my peers once even told me, I think the quote unquote was like, low key people do think that transfers are you know less smart than regular students. And that's something that I felt sometimes. I felt like he gave a voice to an opinion that a lot of people had and didn't articulate. So that hurt, to be honest, but then to be able to own it and to say, I am a transfer and I belong here just as much as anyone else, that taught me a lot about being able just to own your story and then no one can tease you for it. You know, no one can tease me for being a transfer, which is something I was insecure about because I owned it first. So I think the mindset of a transfer, I think, was something that really taught me a lot about being an entrepreneur. Did you take any classes or you, you, I know you mentioned you, you had an applied economics and management degree um, where did you take any classes or like, were you involved in any kind of clubs at Cornell that had anything to do with entrepreneurship? 
Not really. Actually, maybe that's a good lesson that people can take from this is that I tried to take as many fun, unrelated classes as possible and just see what I would learn. I actually had for myself a <laughs> somewhat dorky goal of taking one class every semester that was unrelated to anything business-wise. So I took acting for one semester, which was hands down one of the best classes I took at Cornell. And honestly set me up for entrepreneurship because there's a lot of public speaking and improv, <laughs> to be honest, in there too. But like I took acting, um, I obviously took wines, I took a lot of different art classes. I actually accidentally ended up one art class short of a minor in art history, I think. So I didn't even know I was doing that, but I guess I was, so I was one class short. But yeah, I really tried to explore and have a really diverse experience at Cornell. And I think that can set you up for entrepreneurship too. You never know what's going to inspire you. So I want to get into some fun questions, but I have a couple more businessy related questions first, which was how has the pandemic affected your business or you personally? I know it's affected everyone, but how have you dealt with that? What, what lessons do you think you've learned from dealing with this past year and a half? The pandemic affected us profoundly. I mean, I guess there's never a good time, but it definitely felt like it came at a bad time. <laughs> we did shut down. We've been kind of affected by it on multiple levels because our fabric comes from Italy. So we actually just dealt with fabric shortage still coming from Italy because the supply chain is still a little bit messed up. And then, you know, more obviously, all of the swim seasons were canceled pretty much. And there was so much uncertainty that teams weren't making buying decisions when they normally did. So we just had no way to predict things. So talk about pivoting. <laughs> Fortunately, not anymore. It seems like things are at least returning to normal in small ways, which is huge. But I learned a lot about mindset last year. It feels almost like the understatement of the century. I think everyone probably feels similarly. But every year I have a word of the year, just as a fun little thing for myself. And my word of the year for 2020 was actually showtime because my grandfather, my mom's dad, Pop, has all these wonderful expressions that he used to always say to my mom. And she taught them to, you know, my brother and me. And we have this wall in our basement that has chalkboard paint. And so she's written all of them up there for me to look at all the time. So they've seeped into my being. But one of the expressions that I love so much he used to always say, life ain't a dress rehearsal, it's showtime. And I think that's such an important mentality to have, always to be present and seizing the moment and not acting like, you know, oh, I'll just do this for practice or you are doing things for practice. I think this is my first podcast. I think hopefully this is practice for future ones, but I also want to make this the best one it can be too. You know, I really want to be present giving this everything. So it's showtime, baby. So my word of the year in 2020 was actually Showtime, which is so funny. And then in March, it was specifically at Showtime Baby. You got to throw in the baby. But then in March, it changed to the show must go on. And so that became an attitude that I had to learn for the first time. It's just, I mean, not for the first time, but for the first time in such a just profound, again, I keep using that word, but a profound way of the show must go on. What can, you know, what can we do now to stay positive and stay disciplined? That's great that your grandfather has all these words that are part of your life now. Is he still around to share these with you? He's not, unfortunately. He passed away a number of years ago, but he's still, he lives on. He's, yes, he's a huge yes, inspiration. He's a mascot. Fabulous. 
Well, I'm glad to hear that things are picking up because I, you know, it seems like different depending on your industry, some people are still having a really, really hard time. And so it's good that things are a little bit better. So let's move on to some fun things about you. Do you have one habit that you think has really helped you either in your personal life or your business that either pre-pandemic or post-pandemic, or you've always had this kind of habit that you think has really helped you to get where you are today? Absolutely. Yes. I always try to listen to a lot of different podcasts, you know, Tim Ferriss or Kevin Rose. I'm always trying to learn from them and then adopt some of these habits and tricks that they use. So I've become a huge meditator. Um, I actually started meditating when I was still in college. It was probably, gosh, probably 2014, 2015. So it's been a number of years. At first it was just to help me sleep. And now it's just blossomed into this very productive habit that I have. Um, right. So I meditate most days and I use the Calm app for meditation. If anyone is looking for one, it's incredible. It's a little bit expensive, but you really get your money's worth. And they also have sleep stories, which I use too. So just can't recommend that app enough. I love the Calm app. Nice. Yeah. I love it so much. And then also exercise. I just, even when I don't feel like it, really disciplined with exercise. And I think that habit is... Um, it's just worth it. There's no other way to say it. It just gives me more energy than it takes, even on days when I'm tired. And then lastly is really gratitude. I would say that's kind of the third habit that I have that makes a huge difference. Again, I don't know exactly when this started. It was a number of years ago, but I started gratitude journaling. And so every day I write down three things that I'm grateful for. And I mean, not truly every single day, but I do it the best I can. Not super perfect. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> Yeah, but I try to write down three things that I'm grateful for, and um, I usually try to make them really small, just little things, especially it's, you know, the big things you're always grateful for, but it's the small things that you kind of tend to forget or overlook, so, and that's exercise for my mindset, um, for my heart, too, yeah. And then going along with that, do you have a schedule for your day, like what you do every morning, or what you do first thing in your morning, or do you have, are you one of these people that really plans out every single piece of your day or do you have a much more free-flowing kind of routine? Yeah, that's a funny question. Um, I get asked that question so often just by friends too who try to understand what, you know, a day in the life with so many juggling pieces. But to be honest, I don't have a very strict morning routine. I tend to work a lot better with fluidity. I usually meditate in the morning some days I don't and I push it to lunch, but it's usually something that I take care of first thing in the morning. And then I guess my routine would be to make myself breakfast before I check email. I am really mindful about not starting my work day right when I wake up. So do not check my email until after I've had breakfast, had coffee, and I'm sitting down to start the work day. But yeah, otherwise it's truly hopefully meditation if I have time. And then make breakfast, make coffee. And with coffee every morning I have one Biscoff cookie. And so that's become a little bit of a ritual actually. Um, that I've been doing since college, actually. Um, just savoring that little Biscoff cookie and kind of feeling the warmth of the coffee and then starts my day just really nicely. So yeah, I'm working at home now still. So that's kind of a, a routine in itself. Right. So would you say that you have a personal mission statement or something that you try to live by? It sounds like you have a lot of really good just self you, like you take care of yourself, which is you know how important that is, especially as an entrepreneur. Do you have like a mission statement about you or your company or something that's important to you? Yeah. Oh, I have so many answers to that. Um, my grandfather is just such a source of lines and of quotes. So I have several. First of all, our company's 
little slogan is flow with it. You know, I think that's just fully encapsulates my attitude and my mindset, especially through the last year, just with pivoting, just life changes. So just flow with it. And it's also a nod to flow state, which is zone somewhere. We're called zone because when you're in the zone, you're in that flow state. And so when you're flowing with it, like you're living in this state of ease. And even if you're doing hard things, it's just natural. It's a little bit more natural and it just feels easy, even if it's hard. So flow with it is kind of the natural answer to that question. And then on a more personal level, I guess I have a few. I've been really enjoying this Bible verse actually recently about suffering because that's been a constant thing for the last year. It's been a little bit of suffering, but the verse is that, you know, we rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. And I think that character building mindset is something that I got from my family. And so I, you know, I don't enjoy suffering per se. I don't think anyone does, but I do believe that it, it makes you stronger if you have a growth mindset with that. And I think it builds a lot of character. I know that's a long motto. I wouldn't say that's my personal mission statement. It's a little bit long, but yeah, just maybe the word character is just a big word that I've been thinking about recently in that context. One of my questions was the best advice you've ever been given and perhaps the worst advice you've ever been given. And I don't know if that might also come from your grandfather's wisdom down the road or if there's someone else who's given you really good advice. But I'd be curious to find out if there's something you remember from any time in your life or your career that you've gotten some good advice or bad advice. Absolutely. Bad advice, I'll have to think about. Nothing comes to my mind immediately with bad advice. I mean, I guess bad advice is just good advice given to the wrong person. I don't know. I just, Maybe it just wasn't for me. Good advice comes from my mom. Um, my mom is a teacher and she's, oh, I, I love her so much, but she's a teacher. And so she clearly teaches me a lot of these mindset things. But one of the things she tells her students because she teaches high school is that they're going to be going to college, many of them. And that's a very intimidating transition and that's something that's easy to forget now but looking back I remember how scary that was so I remember a long time ago she read this article in the Wall Street Journal about how when people are going to college when students are first going their kind of three big fears are that they're not ready and that they won't belong when they get there they won't find their friends or just won't belong and then they have to be perfect and they just put this huge weight on that And so my mom always says to her students, and then again, it's just gotten into me by osmosis, I guess, is you're ready, you belong, just do the best you can. And literally, I say that to myself all the time, and I even have it written down on a piece of paper in my wallet, so I carry it around. But yeah, you're ready, you belong, just do the best you can. That's the mindset that I'm coming into this with. I'm actively a little bit nervous, but I'm just reminding myself that I'm as ready as I'll ever be. And I think I certainly belong and, you know, hopefully it's good enough. It doesn't have to be perfect, but yeah. So I want to know two more things. Let's go to this one first. Who is the person you most admire? And it might be your mom, but it might be some other people too. Is there someone you can think of that you most admire? And this is a hard question because there's probably a lot of people in your life that you admire. But is there someone you can think of that really strikes you as? Yeah, there are a lot of people. Gosh, so many people. You're completely right that my mom and my dad and my brother and my grandparents, my entire family are everything. 
I owe them so much. To make it, I guess, a little bit more relatable, more broadly, is I really admire Dolly Parton a lot. I'm actually Southern. I was born in Alabama. And, you know, my family's from Mississippi and Texas. And my mom was born in New Orleans, so we're a little bit country. I really admire Dolly Parton so much because I think she's so feminine and so graceful, but clearly so tough and has very, very strong boundaries. So I admire her as a woman and as a businesswoman. Also, I admire Brene Brown so much. I consume all of her work (laughs) regularly. I've read several of her books twice. I've watched her documentary on Netflix, I think, three or four times. So her. And I just really admire people who are open about their stories and about their struggles, too. So I admire Tim Ferriss for a lot of the work he's done to talk about mental health. And he just creates spaces for really vulnerable conversations. So I admire that as well. Yeah, but gosh, I could keep going, too. There are so many people who I admire. I think Dolly Parton, too, is just getting, like, she just does all the right things. Like, she even writes a song about getting vaccinated. Like, she's just just, just always in the right spot. A lot of people who have that much limelight shed on them often make some kind of misstep along the way, but she just really seems to have her heart in the right place all the time, so. I so agree. She seems so grounded and so, oh, so effortless. It's just so kind and so grounded. I just adore her. So I wondered, as we get going, if you can tell us what tools you use every day to make your life easier, whether they're like physical things or digital tools or apps. And then I also want you to tell us how people can find your products and website at the end of this too. So, Yeah, I actually have, like I kind of have hinted at, I think throughout this, I'm a big just tinker with things. And so I love testing out different productivity hacks and things. So in addition to the Calm app, love the daily calms. Those 10 minute ones are just such a great place to start. I also use a weighted blanket and that has really transformed my sleep, which I think, you know, transforms my day. So my weighted blanket is honestly is as unoriginal and as maybe simple as it sounds. It changed my life. And then lastly, for productivity, the Forest app, um, I believe it's just called Forest, is really great. I think it's $1.99, $2.99, which is so funny. I recommended it to two of my girlfriends um, actually last weekend, and we were all sitting around a table having brunch, and they looked at it and got to the $2.99 and like shut it off. And I was like, y'all, you won't be two ninety nine for your productivity. We were laughing. But yeah, it's really good. It's worth it. Can't recommend it enough. What exactly does it help you do? What features does it have? I don't know if you're familiar with the Pomodoro technique. Do you know that? Okay. It's this funny work technique where you set a timer for 25 minutes of deep work and then no distractions. And then you have a short, I do five minute break in between, and then you keep doing that. And so basically I use the forest app to do my, to help me with my pomodoros. Once, once you set the timer, you have a tree that starts growing in your forest. And if you exit the app, your tree dies. And then you have a dead tree in your forest that you have to look at. And it just drives me absolutely just crazy. So I am so disciplined because I don't want to look at a dead tree and, you know, a symbol of a failed pomodoro. That's interesting. So can you set up the task to be whatever you want to allow the tree to grow? Like it could be 10 minutes of whatever or... Yeah, it's, oh, it's such a great app. They have different categories. So um, I only use it for work, but you can use it for exercise, for reading, for playing the piano, you know, for whatever habit you want to improve and not be distracted from. 
so obviously you're the founder of a company and you have employees and you have co-founders and other people that you work with and you also work with a bunch of customers. I always feel like part of being a successful person in general is to get people to do what you want them to do in some way. So talk about how you do that with your in your life in general with all the people that you work with. Yeah, yeah, and you're right. We do work with a lot of different kind of categories of people, um, you know, between our manufacturers and our, our customers and our team internally, and even that's kind of subdivided. I think that I'm often wrong, and I, you know, I might have the wrong idea. And so something that I learned a long time ago, I don't remember who I heard this from. I wish I could give them credit, but... It's that a leader is the last person in the room to speak. And when I heard that, I was just like, oh my gosh, everything makes sense now. And that's it. You know, you want to hear everyone else's ideas and thoughts. And then you end up being the one to maybe kind of synthesize it or take ownership of of the idea and the path. But I think that generally speaking, it's not necessarily even a question of me telling people what to do. It's more a question of a leader reminding people what our vision is. And then once we're focused and centered and calibrated to the same vision, everyone, just generally speaking, seems to have a very good vision of how to get there. Then my responsibility is just to listen to everyone and keep us grounded on the same vision. So do you have a hard time doing that when you have maybe entered a meeting with the idea that like, this is the where you want to go, but you need to step back and like hear everyone's thoughts on this before you jump in with what you think should be the solution? Is that challenging? Actually, we're going through small but important discussions right now about our packaging. And, you know, I say small because it's, you know, you might say just design and fonts and colors, but it's the bedrock of our company. I think it's incredibly important. So, you know, I just think there's not a right answer and I have a vision and, and we all have visions and I just, they tend to align, you know, but I think as long as we listen to each other and explain the why behind the what we tend to agree. And I also think as a team, everyone feels really taken care of. So that's kind of first, you know, the first most important thing is to take care of each other. And then We'll be more receptive to listening to each other and to also speaking our truth and calling each other out if, you know, we think something is not aligning with our vision. So tell us a little bit, Brooke, about how we, um, if someone's interested in learning more about your company or ordering some gear, um, how would they do that? I guess, first of all, our website, www.zoneswimwear.com. That's zone, like, you know, like you're in the zone. And then social media, we're on all the major platforms. You can find us on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, Just recently got a Twitter, so just very recently started that. Pinterest, too. And if you would like to get in contact with me, I would love that. The best way would be to reach out through our website on our Contact Us form and just say where you heard this and the message will get to me. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been great to have you. And we are looking forward to hearing more about your success through the years. It sounds like you have a great idea. And I'm sure swimmers everywhere will be happy to know that they have some more options for ordering things. So that's That's great. great. All right. Thanks so much. Startup Cornell, a podcast exploring the bold entrepreneurial ideas coming from our students, faculty, staff, and young alumni. To find out more about entrepreneurship at Cornell and see the show notes from this episode, visit eship.com.
www.cornell.edu.